Saul leads the people to battle as the Ammonites attack an Israelite city before Samuel gives his final great speech to the nation on The Bible Brief. Want more Bible learning content like this? Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social media. Links are in the show notes to this episode. Israel has a new king, a king from the tribe of Benjamin, from the city of Gibeah, a tall, handsome king who would be strong to go out before the people in battle against their enemies. This was just the kind of king that the people wanted, even if he did come from a rather disreputable tribe in a disreputable city. Samuel had initially anointed Saul in private before showing him to the people publicly at Mizpah. And when the people finally saw their leader, they exclaimed, Long live the king! The nation was excited to have this human king. They were glad to be like the other nations. But now this king would be tested. Tested not by legal proceedings or his skill in diplomacy. He'd be tested on the battlefield. But it wouldn't be just any battlefield. It would be a place called Jabesh-Gilead. Now, Jabesh-Gilead is a somewhat obscure city to us, but it wouldn't have been to Saul. Do you remember how the tribe of Benjamin was able to be repopulated following the war that those 11 tribes had made upon Benjamin? Well, primarily it was done through the city of Jabesh-Gilead. The whole city was completely decimated except for the virgin women in order to procure wives for the Benjaminites that remained. One of Saul's great-grandfathers somewhere up the family line had probably taken one of these women. And here generations later was Saul, the king of Israel. Now let's find out what's happening in this town of Jabesh-Gilead that causes it to become a place for battle. We read this in 1 Samuel chapter 11. Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged the city of Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, that I gouge out all your right eyes and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days' respite that we may send messengers through all the territory of Israel. Then if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people, and all the people wept aloud. Nahash the Ammonite comes against Jabesh with an apparently intimidating force. But his goal isn't to destroy the city. Instead, he wants to subjugate it. He wants to collect tribute and taxes from them. One of the ways that he could ensure the city was less able to rebel against his rule would be to have the people of the city partially blinded, able to work the land, but much less able to put up resistance against his rule. As a plus, he wants to bring shame upon Israel by having a bunch of them walk around in one-eyed submission to him. However, before this treaty is made, the people of Jabesh send messengers into Israel to see if anyone is willing to come to their aid. And soon Saul hears of this development at Jabesh. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. And Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces 
and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hand of the messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to this oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. When he mustered them at Bezek, the people of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. And they said to the messengers who had come, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have salvation. Saul sees the weeping of the people as he's coming in from the field, and as soon as he hears the news from Jabesh, the Spirit of God rushes upon him. And in this moment of anger, he cuts apart his yoke of oxen and sends pieces to all Israel. The message that accompanies the oxen pieces is simply, Show up to fight, or you'll end up like this oxen. Then as his troops muster, he sends word to Jabesh that salvation is coming. The next day, Saul attacks before the sun has come up in the morning. We read this. And the next day, Saul put the people in three companies. And they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Jabesh Gilead is saved. Saul has great success in his first battle as king over Israel. He led the people into battle, and the nation has now seen their king lead them like the other nations. Immediately, a realignment in the crowd occurs. Those who doubted Saul's leadership shrink away, and others want to prove their loyalty to this successful king. We read this in verse 12 as the people come to speak to Samuel, with Saul close by. The people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in, that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today Yahweh has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. This scene quickly goes from tense to joyful. The people proposed to Samuel that the men who doubted Saul's leadership should be put to death. And Saul interrupts the conversation, effectively saying, No, today's a day for good, not evil. But notice his reasoning. He says, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Rather than take credit for the victory over the Ammonites, Saul attributes the victory to Yahweh. Saul understands that it was God's presence that allowed them easy victory and it was the Spirit of God that gave him the courage to lead the people. It appears that this king may have what it takes to be a godly leader. Samuel then leads the people in a renewal of the kingdom, essentially giving a fresh start to the kingship of Saul, so that no one will resist his rule any longer. And the people end the joyous event, sacrificing peace offerings to Yahweh. Soon, however, the people and the king are delivered a stern warning by Samuel in his final major speech to the nation. As you can imagine, this warning sounds a lot like the speeches of Moses and Samuel, but now it's colored by this new monarch, a king that was demanded by the people of Israel. We read this in 1 Samuel chapter 12. And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me, and have made a king over you. And now behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray, and behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. Testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed king. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? 
Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me and I will restore it to you. The people said, You have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, Yahweh is witness against you and his anointed king is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, He is witness. The first thing Samuel does before the people is defend his integrity. It's as if he's using this as a preamble for the words to come. In a way, he's saying, You've seen my life, you know I'm honest, and now I'm going to tell you a hard truth. Then Samuel begins a review of the nation's history so far. He explains that Yahweh himself appointed Moses and Aaron to save the people out of Egypt and to bring them to the promised land of Canaan. Further, when the people rebelled against God and served the Baals, God raised up judges to save them from their enemies. But when Samuel comes to the current generation, he rebukes them for turning their back on Yahweh their king, asking instead for a king like the other nations. He continues saying, And now behold the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked. Behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Samuel's message is simple. It's for the people and for their king. Obey Yahweh and all will be well, but rebel against him and it won't. God will bless the king and the people for their obedience, but he will be against them if they disobey. It's notable that the kingdom that God has set up for the people is not a kingdom separate from him. It's a kingdom under him. God remains the ultimate sovereign over the nation. He's just allowed the people to also have a human king. Obedience to Yahweh is required, as it has been from the beginning. The king is merely an additional place in the leadership structure for the nation. Samuel then emphasizes the wickedness of the people in asking for a king like the other nations. He says this, Now therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. And you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and Yahweh sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For Yahweh will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way. The joy from the battle has turned into an ominous tone. Samuel isn't celebrating with the people any longer. He's warning them and rebuking them on behalf of Yahweh. While the Lord may have delivered a victory to the people at Jabesh, it doesn't mean that he was pleased with their request to have a king go before them like the other nations. 
Yahweh confirms Samuel's rebuke through an unseasonal thunder and rainfall. Now, despite some encouragement about the Lord's character and Samuel's continued prayers for the people, the speech concludes with a warning that would echo for generations of future Israelites and kings. A warning that no one wants to come to pass. Samuel finishes his speech saying, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Saul and the people have been warned. The great prophet Samuel has given them a stern rebuke, and the Lord has confirmed it in thunder. The first king of Israel, Saul, passed his first test at Jabesh. But his more difficult test would not be external, it would be internal. Could he fight his own impulses as king? Could he fight through fear of leading his people? Could he obey, even with great cost? Join us next time as we see Saul's next battle against Israel's perennial enemy. The Philistines are on the march. Saul looks for Samuel's aid, but Samuel is nowhere to be found. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023